Well, welcome to Voice in the Distance Ministries as we've reached yet another milestone in another chapter, and not just another chapter, but another book finished in Ephesians chapter 6. This is the end of Ephesians, and um, we're in one of the more popular, well-known chapters of Ephesians. You know, they always like to say they save the best for last, and I don't like to always consider it the best, but it's definitely it's definitely a good ending. Um you know, from Ephesians from beginning to end was good. It was like a perfectly built sandwich with two thick pieces of bread and everything in between. And um, and but we're going to be looking at this uh, chapter six here with the more popular, well-known uh, version of the armor in in uh, wearing the armor and and. Um, Weapon, the weapons of our armor and the things of how to uh, how to use our armor, and so. But before that, it even gets into a few other things. But again, I like to recap on where we were before, which was uh, the title of that message was uh, was living in the light. And and so that's just something that we must always remember. Do we do? Do we live in the light? Do we walk in the light? Are we light? And if we are, then. Then, then we need to be equipped for the next phase, which is again, the armor. If we're living in light, then we're contending with darkness. And because darkness doesn't like light. And so when that becomes disturbed and when light comes into the picture, there's gonna be some, uh, there's gonna be things to, uh, to combat that. Well, you always pray and hope that you are never to be messed with or attacked, but it's always good to be prepared. And so the the funny thing about me is is that uh, like in my instance uh, I just love to um, study apologetics and, and miscellaneous things of uh, in in the realm of apologetics in the Bible but I never have really gotten into any uh, dogmatic debates with other people so I've told people it's kind of like being a kung fu master that never had to defend himself or get into a fight sort of you know somebody who might have been uh, equipped in kung fu or, or some sort of martial art and they never had to use it they never got messed with but it's still good to have the equipment it's still good to be equipped it's good to be knowing what it is that that uh, that surrounds you and what it is that you need in order to move around in whether it be society, whether it be in church, whether it be in just in the spiritual realm, period. We're being messed with at all times. And so Paul here gives the powerful illustrations and, and, uh, and the analogies of spiritual warfare here. But before that, he gets into some other important aspects uh, before we get into that. And we're going to cover that. We're going to cover the whole, uh, the whole chapter of 6, uh, chapter 6. And so, I, I've actually taught this chapter, uh, if you're a regular listener, the very first message uh, that I have recorded on A Voice in the Distance was uh, a sermon that I did 10, 11 years ago. And it was Ephesians chapter 6. And, and so, a lot of people have listened to it, and so, I, I'm saying this because... This is every book in the Bible, but especially Ephesians. You can reteach and reteach it and get something new every time. You can you can listen to it from different pastors and 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 get something new from it because that is the the richness and the and the the depth of of the Bible. It's the richness and depth of the book of Ephesians, and um, chapter six has richness and depth involved too. Because if you were to go back 
to the very uh, to the very uh, bottom of the of the page where the very first sermon that was on a voice in the distance was a recording from you know ten eleven years ago. Ephesians chapter six. Now you can listen to that one and you could listen to this one and get two different things. You can get two different things. The very first one was recorded in front of a church audience, and this one here is recorded just one-on-one with you and I. <laughs> and so, again, more and more can be seen and heard. I, I recommend listening to them both, you know, and, um, and and getting something different, something more. But I, I hope and pray that the, as the years have gone by, as I teach this one more time, that, that something different, was something more was was uh, was brought into the picture here. So I want to go ahead and get us started here as we are looking at chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 first. And this one is in regards to, again, the, the continuation of family life. Um, in the last part of, um, of chapter 5, uh, from verses 22 to 33, Paul had written down uh, the aspects of marriage and, and Christ in the church, to where there's the comparison of what Christ is to the uh, to the church, and that of the church being the bride of Christ, and but how we are to be within our own families in that same aspect, the love and the and the submission and the and the care that we are to have for one another. So chapter six starts to dwell in there. Now you have to remember that. What we have here is chapter divisions because this was originally written on one scroll. There was no chapter divisions. This was just one good sized letter that was written. And so we are going to be looking at the, at uh, the continuation of, of uh, chapter 5. As he starts in verses 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So Paul reminds us first and foremost the importance first of remembering what God commanded in the Ten Commandments. Honoring your mother and father. And by doing so, it comes with a promise or a blessing, if you will, that it may be well with you. Now, look at the households and the lives of people that do not honor their parents. And then observe the lives of those who have followed what this said. See, those who have honored their parents find things well with them. And by rights, by rights they should, because we see the source, because the gift giver who promised a blessing has bestowed that. But praise God for his word, because there is two sides of the coin here. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. And we have an old saying that you, you cannot choose your relatives, and that is true. God did that for you. Your children did not choose you. They did not ask to be born in this world. See, what God gives in instruction to parents as a form of a, it's a bill of rights for your children. It was the first form of child protective services from the Lord himself. See, Paul covered first the relationship between husband and wife. That is the first thing that should be done. It's, it's you and your wife. I love what Moses commanded in the uh, in the Torah, which uh, you could find it in most likely, and I, I remembered it clearly in the book of Deuteronomy, that when a <coughs> excuse me when a husband and wife are to be uh, are to get married, 
he has to be uh, basically inactive of any kind of duty, whether it be from like um, uh, military or, or, or form of work duty for one year in order to spend with their, with their spouses, in order to get to know one another and to bond with them. So it starts with husband and wife, but then it goes to children and, and then to parents because we all have a responsibility to each other. Why? Because no one has the right to abandon or no one has the right to abuse because they're just unhappy. Or because they can out of some sort of self-appointed authority or some sort of rite of passage. See, God instructs everyone to do what is right. Not just one side. And, and when you accomplish this, it stands true. Now, now for the other group. Let's look at verse 5 through 9. Now we're getting into, I guess, what you would consider a slave and employee of our day, but uh, bond servants and masters of this day. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and, and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Now, this again started back in the book of Exodus. Uh, Paul is giving the teaching to the Ephesians that the people got at Mount Sinai. Uh, bond servants, uh, what were what I like to call ancient day employees, he says, do what's right. Do what you're told as, lo as long as it doesn't cause you to, to disobey God. Now, typically when you do this, you, you're in a safe position. But the word instructs to raise the bar, and that is to do it with the sincerity of heart. Sincerity of our heart as to Christ. Why? Because one simple answer. Who do you think placed you in that position? Well, the Lord did. Uh, you may have heard the Hebrew term, or the Hebrew word, it's called Jehovah Jireh, and it means that God provides. God is my provider. And, and he does. And, and when we come together to make the operation go and the wheel move, that's, that's how it works. See, masters, bosses, managers, leaders uh, do the same, right? Treat with respect. If it were not for those working for you, the operation would shut down. Paul reminds us of the importance of who's really in charge, like the job provided for the employees the business and operation with an owner or a CEO really belongs to the Lord because he can shut it down whenever he wants. It's the same thing in the church. All we are, we are just stewards of God's house and God can remove if he sees fit. But Paul said it best in verse 9. There is no partiality in him because God, God doesn't care what position someone is in because the position on earth is temporary. What he cares about is how you are doing it with with it, with it while you're here. See, every king, every president, every judge in the Bible was for a time. Uh, some of them were longer than others, but what mattered was was what they did while they were in that place. 
The, the position is not the key in life. The legacy is. So, so what kind of legacy will be left in the midst of those that you worked with? Or, or what kind of legacy will, will, will you leave in the hearts of, of those that we served with or for? We serve each other because we together serve a big God. And yet Christ served all. He was the servant of all. I've always called, called our Lord and Savior the, the greatest servant that ever lived. He was the servant of all things, all people, all ages. So God help us to uh, continue to be living and walking in that role model. Now look at 10 through 13 with me as I'll read it to you. Now we're going to get into that, uh, that popular section. <laughs> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now again, we're going into that, that well-known popular section of the New Testament, the armor of God. We, we use this section of scripture all the time. But we probably do not always follow it in regards to putting on the whole armor of God. See, Paul is utilizing the armor of, uh, of a Roman soldier, if you will. Why? Paul was a Roman citizen. And on many occasions, he was a Roman prisoner. And typically, he would be chained to a Roman guard. And every six hours, a new guard would come in and they would change. So how easy is it to write about armor when you look at everything they're wearing as they're right next to you in chains? Roman armor and weapons was really like no other in design and effectiveness. But more so, the spiritual armor... Absolutely nothing like it. Why? Because I've said this before, that that it's hard enough to whoop someone you can see, but being able to defend against what is unseen in the spiritual realm requires divine spiritual armor. See, I'll elaborate the armor, but see, Paul reminds us to make sure that nothing is left out. Do not leave partially dressed, and we will see why in verse 14. Again, we're dealing with, with invisible principalities of darkness. That's what we're dealing with. And we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood. We wrestle against something much more powerful. And it's something we cannot do ourselves. We cannot wrestle it and win. I've always grown up as a fan of professional wrestling. And so, um, you know, you you think to yourself, like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I know what to do in this case. No, this is a whole other story. And so... When I um, when I look at what Paul said, I was just like, yeah, I, I could definitely relate to that. <laughs> I've been a wrestling fan, but the, this is a wrestling match I cannot win without somebody being in me of that being the Holy Spirit. Those the, somebody of more more power that could defeat the principalities of darkness. I myself cannot without Him. So in verse fourteen through fifteen, it says. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So now Paul gives the preparation for battle. Stand with your waist girded, standing for impact in battle. 
And it starts, it actually starts out with the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, what is the breastplate? It's, it's what protects the heart. You know, righteousness is from the heart, not the head. It's something to see, right? Roman armor versus a uh, medieval armor of, of, say, like of the, uh, the British or German knights of armor. Roman armor was much less because it allowed them to move quickly and efficiently versus a walking tin man. The, the breastplate protected the heart. Because we must remember that to protect your heart, we protect, you protect your heart for many reasons. To protect it from other influences that could lead you away from the Lord and away from His righteousness and also to protect, uh, from another type, another type of thing. Another type of thing being self-righteousness. So you want to be able to protect, be protected, uh, from those who lead you away from His righteousness. And then to be protected from self-righteousness. And then he uh, spoke of the belt of truth. It, see, the belt is what held up everything on Roman armor. Uh, you're wearing your breastplate, your, your sheath for your sword, because that's what the, the truth is, the, the, the thing that holds it together. Girding your waist with truth. And then he goes into talking about the sandals. And again, the design of Roman footwear was very unique. It was, it was used in an example of bringing the gospel of peace. Now, we look at soldiers today that are about wearing the proper boots. But what Paul is speaking of, uh, his, his, um, what he was describing had spikes like, uh, like cleats to keep them grounded in battle. It would keep them from falling in defeat. But yet it also designed, to, they were designed to move swiftly and to go the distance because a lot of soldiers didn't always ride horses, they walked everywhere. So we are to stand firm and, and to move swiftly in regards to spreading the gospel. If you've ever read uh, the books of First and Second Timothy, which is also what Paul wrote, those were the last books he wrote. Paul said that the elders of the church that labor in doctrine and teaching are worthy of double honor. That can be found in 1 Timothy 5.17. What that honor is, I don't know, but if it's coming from the Lord, it's a good thing. And, and a good soldier will have good boots. See, it's a pleasure to be in any part of spreading the gospel of peace. But something to be reminded of in, in the spreading uh, the gospel, m many hear it, but how many people see the gospel in the messenger itself? A lot of people, a lot of people are fine with hearing it, but at times I think other people want to see the gospel in the messenger. We can hear about it, but only can we experience it when it's lived in our lives. We hear the saying about walking in someone else's shoes. Well, just make sure that you're walking efficiently in your fitted shoes. Now, verses 16 to 20 will continue. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, in which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to, to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So people have asked... 
what is the most important of one's armor? And they would say the shield of faith. Now that was an easy one to figure out because Paul says, above all, <laughs> take the shield of faith. If we don't have faith, then how can we say that we believe? See, everyone has faith in something or someone. But faith in the Lord is what he has always been very pleased with. It makes sense that the shield would be in the label of faith because it is through faith that God has come through in your shielding. You know, he spoke of the fiery arrows because fiery arrows would be used to go through, they would actually be used to go through and burn bodies. They'd be used to catch fields uh, or weapons on fire. Uh, Romans used two types of shields. They would have a large one, which is typically a few feet in height and a couple feet in width. And what, what they would do is they would come together and they would put their shields together like in a turtle shell because nothing would get through them in the form of arrows coming around. And then they had the other shield, which was a small and round one that was used to block, but it could also be used in the form of offense as well. So your faith can shield you in many things, as the Lord is the shield, especially when it comes, uh, when faith comes into the picture. Now, next he speaks of the helmet of salvation to protect the head. My my mother-in-law got me a Roman helmet with uh, scriptures that I spoke of on each side. And it was the scripture I used in a sermon, that sermon I mentioned ten years ago, on having these on the side of your helmet to keep uh, to keep in your head to protect your mind. And I think it was John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And then I, th- I think the other one was John 10, uh, 10 uh, where it says that no one can snatch you out of my hand. So I, I made a comment of like having those two things on, the, on each side of your shield to remind you of your, uh, to keep that near, near your mind. Because their helmets were also special in design. Uh, it was special in design because it was the recognition of their army and who they were of or their rank. Uh, but they were all designed with an opening where their ears were. They had a little bit of an opening where their ears were, so that way they could hear commands clearly while on the battlefield. We too must protect our minds while being able to hear the commands from the Lord. See, there is three things in how we operate. It starts in the head, it goes to the heart, and then it goes to the hands. I used to call it the three H's, from the head to the heart to the hands. Now, it's it's never easy to be in prison and be positive, uh, joyous, and spiritual. Yet Paul was, and, and considering that he was chained to Roman guards, it was a blessing because it gave us this powerful example of spiritual armor and how we can wear it when dealing with the principalities of darkness in the spiritual realm. Instead of another person in front of you that you have a chance of defense uh, and defeat. Paul made known that he wanted the boldness to speak, and, and he had that because of not just his knowledge, but of his personal experience. Why? Because he was given the mysteries from Christ. But he was given the experience in chains while being able to write some of the most powerful epistles one can read. Half of Paul, I'd say about half of Paul's letters were written in prison. And, and Paul could have prayed for the removal of his chains. He could have prayed uh, more, uh, more for effectiveness in the cause of Christ, right? We can pray for a change in our circumstance, but we can also pray for us to be used in the accomplishment for being used. 
there is an eternal purpose for things we do not always see, and myself included, very much in that saying. Praying for the saints around us, friends and family, we are called to do that. And Paul was praying for others while in chains. And again, it was it is very important to remember the important factor in regards to others. See, things are diminishing. Love, faith, truth, friends, families, churches, workplaces, you got nations and neighborhoods especially. We should be praying for each other. The, the lost, the saints, all of the things mentioned for the sake of the kingdom we should be praying for. Now let's take a look at 21 to 24. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may com- comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So Tychicus was a friend and a messenger for Paul, uh, who was used for getting back to the church to report how Paul is doing. And how neat it is to see the loyalty involved for the sake of a friend, but more important for the sake of, uh, of the Lord. Now, hopefully Paul's friend was able to read, uh, to read this letter, because as, as he will need those shoes and the armor to spread the news to bring peace to Paul's friends in Ephesus. I say again, I said it earlier, revisit this chapter. Uh, listen again to it, because we easily forget these simple yet powerful instructions. And, and those instructions through the book were this particular list. It was redemption in Christ, as we started with in chapter 1. Praying for spiritual wisdom. Grace through faith. Christ, who is our peace and cornerstone. Revealed mysteries. Walking in unity. Being the new man or woman. Not grieving the spirit. Walking in love and walking in light. Marriage with husbands and wives. Children and parents. Bosses and employees. And of course, wearing spiritual armor. An armor that did not cover your back. It, it, that's the one thing I had to make known, is that all the armor we read, none of, it, none of it had armor for the back. Because the Lord has your back, and so should we with one another. These were the fundamentals within the book of Ephesians. Six chapters with so much to say. Now, again, Paul was a veteran of the faith when, when this was written. So keep in mind that, that being a student of the word or a teacher of the word is neat because you look at athletes. Okay? Athletes can go only for so long before they slow down. And they go for so long until it is time to retire. And then they cannot do what they used to do. But the older some of the teachers are, the better they can be because if we have been blessed with time, And if it has been used wisely, then we should be better than we ever were in our youth. See, that is the beauty of serving the Lord, right? The blessing of teaching His Word. Because you never stop growing. You never stop growing. But one of the most important things that someone must do before anything is receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. And by doing so, He will dwell in your heart... And you will secure a place in heaven with him when your time is up. 
I pray that hearing the word led you to do so. If you feel led, I want you to say a prayer with me when this is said and done. But I want I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit has really put it on your heart because he's the one who leads you to that place. You know, the word of God, again, in the armor, the sword, it's a, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Cutting through, it could cut through anything. I mean, I, I know that there's some, there are some swords out there that are pretty sharp. You know, the Romans, they definitely knew had to, they definitely had some pretty nasty swords. <laughs> and, um, I knew somebody that, uh, that trained with samurai swords made from the Japanese. And those samurai swords, to, to my understanding, can actually cut through just about anything. Once you start to swing hard enough and you go through whatever it is, nothing is going to stop that sword. And the word of God is sharper than even that sword. The double-edged sword that, cut, that pierces, that cuts through bone and marrow and through flesh, spirit, all the above. And, and I pray that that's what happened. That, that you were, that you were affected by the Lord. And that you will be able to handle the sword. That you'll be able to handle the sword being the Word of God. And that that sword affected you. That it, that it cut to the heart to, and that it cut to the chase. That it just did all these things for you. In so many ways. So as, as we wrap up the book of Ephesians. I, I pray that again that you have been blessed and I pray that you have been uh, just enjoying what you've heard and, and again not so much on mine but just from the words of the of the book itself. That alone right there is the powerful part of this whole thing. Every word that that's read from the Bible is the is the important stuff. The elaborating on it and the exposition of it is icing on the cake. So again, but more importantly of anything it means nothing if you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's lots of good, good reads out there, but if but if if it's not doing something to you and for you, then then what is it? This is the only book I know that can that can change lives like no other. And so I want to invite you to receive our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, and I want to invite you to continue. To venture through the Word of God, as we're going to be going into another book, and I, I pray you'll follow along because, again, the goal, if the Lord allows me to live long enough, is to have the whole Bible taught from beginning to end. And so, I, I want to invite you to uh, to follow along. It's a it's a good time, but there's no better time than that of receiving the Lord and and living with Him. So, if you want that, I want to invite you. Because by doing so, he will dwell in your heart and you will secure a place in heaven with him when your time is up. So again, if you feel led, I want you to say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins. Because I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. I ask of you, Lord, to receive me. As your, to receive me as one of your own, Lord, as I receive you as my Lord and Savior and my Father. And I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for having me. I thank you for, for washing away my sins, Lord. And may I walk with you all of the days of my life. May you help me to stay, to stay clear, Lord, of, of the things of the enemy. And may I walk in your light at all times. 
as I am now of you, Lord. I am now a child of yours, and I thank you for having me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, congratulations if you've said that prayer. You've secured yourself in the kingdom of God. You are now a child of Christ. He's received you. He's been wanting you. He's been, he's been waiting for you. So, congratulations if you've said that. And for those that are walking, I pray you'll continue to walk and, and to wear your armor and to, uh, to use your weaponry right. And that you would continue to to seek him, and 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 as we go into the next uh, into the next book, I pray that you'll just find again the excitement. It don't matter what book we're in; it's the Word of God, and we should be excited. So, where we go next? Well, follow along, and may you be blessed as I will be uh, teaching it. So may God bless you and keep you, and may your family walk with Him and with all of the days of your life. May God bless you.